Welcome back to the Geek Centric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler review and discussion for Marvel Studios Eternals. Throughout the years, we have never interfered until now. My name is Justin, and today we can finally talk about all the spoilers for Marvel Studios Eternals, which is out now in theaters. While we've already shared some of our thoughts in our spoiler-free discussion, today we'll be focusing on specifically the story elements, moments, characters, and of course, our rating of the movie. Then we'll be wrapping things up with a discussion around those mid-credit and end-credit scenes and the bigger implications that this movie has on the MCU. We will not be holding back and we will embark on full spoiler details. So you have been warned. Now, allow me to introduce to you my lovely co-hosts. Feels like I've known them for 7,000 years. Kevin and Nate, <laughs> how are you guys? Good. Woo, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm not crazy. This movie is not going over well and I can't dis- I can't wait to discuss why. Okay, well, let's let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. And, you know, as I mentioned in our spoiler free, we did sort of give a very high level uh, discussion around what we liked about it and what we didn't like as as Kevin has already uh, stipulated here. Uh, we've all seen the movie twice. Uh, I think, you know, Nate and I from that discussion we came out, you know, feeling pretty hot about that movie. We really enjoyed it. Kev, not so much. Uh, so maybe we'll just start with you, Kev. You know, upon second viewing, what were you thinking after, after watching it a second time? I mean, I'll admit I, I liked elements of it better the second time. I think having a second go around with these characters made me a bit more familiar with them. So I felt a bit more attached. But sure, I think one of the biggest issues of this movie is that there's so much going on. There's so much story to digest on top of being introduced to all of these characters that you can't really get attached to anything. And I think that's basically a lot of people's consensus coming out of this. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people, you know, just reading reviews and things like that after we we did our initial review. And I, I have been seeing a lot of people saying that they feel like the movie is too big for its britches in the sense of it does try to do a lot. Uh, but I'm still, having seen it the second time, I literally, right after it finished, I leaned over to Justin, I'm like, it's still good. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like, but it also, it went by perfect, faster, but... though. I feel yes. like it felt it felt like it went by a lot faster the second time, which I was like, oh, this is going to be like over two and a half hours watching this again. We, I even said that in our spoiler free that people were going to have an issue rewatching a two and a half hour movie. I didn't. I, I, I really, really enjoyed it the second time around. And I found a lot more of the nuances. I, I, I get where you're coming from, though, Nate, in terms of people saying that it's too big for itself. A lot of people are saying that. And I think that it kind of has the same same sort of narrative issues that maybe Shang-Chi had where it just tried to cram so much into it without necessarily earning that. It's it's two and a half hours and like all that MCU spectacle is kind of shoehorned into to this in and around what is supposed to be kind of more of like a character study I feel like a Chloe Zhao movie yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. it had the right amounts it's it's sort of I think Matt Rohrbeck from from the Untitled Movie Podcast put it best where he said like they're competing with each other Chloe Zhao's style and the MCU rhetoric of of like that sort of structure and that spectacle are just kind of smashed together in this movie which might create a very imbalanced uh experience well the, the the group I saw it with for my second viewing is definitely in the MCU fan camp, right? They're not 
big cinephiles. They're not, you know, they're they were they're going to these movies to see a, a Marvel MCU movie. And I think one of the best comments I heard from the group afterwards was that felt like a sequel to something that I've never seen before. You know, it felt mm, like I should already know these characters, sort of, and I didn't get to know them enough throughout the movie. And I think what I've taken away from my second viewing is is just what you were saying, Justin. It is more of a Chloe Zhao movie than it is an MCU movie. I think if this wasn't in the MCU, if this was just a standalone movie that happened to be based on a Marvel comic, it might be perceived and... Uh, received differently but because of what we've become accustomed to over the last 12 years over 25 movies whatever it is this just feels out of place Mm. i do agree with you kevin that like i I think that comment um makes a lot of sense i think it's because this is the first time in the mcu we're being dropped into a team ensemble piece with 10 characters that we've never had the opportunity to get to know because we're used to mcu movies where we have the team forming even if we you know Mm. talk bring it back to and i keep bringing it back to guardians of the galaxy you bring it back to guardians of the galaxy you're learning about each character as they're learning about each other and that's why that works for a lot of i think traditional mcu fans so i can see how it's super jarring coming into this and and being a part of this team that has been together for thousands of years that all of a sudden like they know each other so well, but we never got to see that. And we never got to see that journey. Isn't, hasn't that always been our complaint about, say, the DC universe, where it's they right. just mashed these characters in and said, now you're going to learn about them as they're a team, right? And that's yeah. always been our complaint, even just here on Geek Centric. Sure. And so I'm not sure why, because it's a Chloe Zhao film, this one gets a pass. Well, sure. I, I think, though, that uh, as I was saying, you know, the, the smashing of MCU and Chloe Zhao's styles coming together here, and they might not necessarily work. I would actually argue that it needed less of the Marvel and more of the Chloe Zhao. Just just own the Chloe Zhao side. Uh, because the, the whole point of this movie, which is really, really uh, integral, is just how much this movie sits outside of the existing canon. Apart from a couple references to Thanos and the snap and, and all that sort of stuff, it, it's purposely positioned in a way to be outside of all of that which I don't think resonates too well with fans as, as we're seeing. They don't feel that connectivity. It is too to outside of everything that they know and love. And I referenced this in our spoiler-free, you know, Shang-Chi feels very of the MCU, but obviously with more of a very rooted themes in Chinese culture, it feels very taking those elements into an MCU movie, whereas Eternals feels like it's so outside of the MCU mold that that's kind of why it's getting shit on. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, like... it, and, and, I, and I just, after watching it twice now, I just don't feel like this fits into the MCU, I don't, I almost, I'd be fine if I thought this is a standalone and we'll never see these characters again, because I just don't know how they fit in with the other characters that we're so familiar with. I'm just not sure how in the future these but do they have immortal, to? eternal gods can fit in with the rest of our characters. Yeah. I think, I think here's the thing, I, I would agree with you, Kevin, if we hadn't gotten the quality of films that we've gotten from the MCU so far and some of the outlandish characters that we've gotten from the MCU. And granted, I don't think all of the crazy characters worked. I don't think Ego the Living Planet was really that great. Um, but, you know, you 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 get a, a tree. I, I keep going back, I know, but a tree and a, and a, and a raccoon and, and so many people thinking that's going to be the stupidest thing in the world. Keep in mind, 
nobody knew who Iron Man was before Iron Man happened. And everyone thought, okay, seeing a superhero in armor or in tights fly around on a screen, they thought it was one thing before the MCU came along. I, I just, I have too much trust in Kevin Feige and, and Marvel for them to be able to sort this out. Now, are they going to have to maybe rearrange some of the decisions that were made in this movie, similar to kind of some things that we've seen in our Star Wars, uh, you know, universe and fandom? I think so. But at the same time, I'm just as excited to see that. Yeah, I think this movie is being celebrated for the right reasons. I think that the the fact that it, it is got it's it's a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's just it. <laughs> I just it, don't agree with that. I don't agree with it, and it, it almost <laughs> it, it almost feels like it's it's more uh, purposeful in the terms of being just kind of uh, hateful towards it rather than than it actually. Because I feel like there's other films that are far worse in the MCU that that even more so feel so disconnected from everything else. For me, at least, this movie, while being so bold and so outside of it, I still really enjoyed how character focused it was. You know, it did end up having that spectacle piece and, and again, feeling like it was kind of shoehorned in. But, uh, you know, the characters are what really stood out to me. I've always been the big critic score kind of guy. I'm, I've always loved my tomato meters. Um, and so the, the Rotten Tomato score doesn't surprise me as much as the meta score does because the meta score is usually from from critics who are who, who are usually more inclined to celebrate films and filmmaking and so to see that that also has a 53 so even people who are fans of Chloe Zhao movies are saying while those elements work they don't necessarily work for a Marvel film and they didn't come together cohesively enough to make this big huge overblown movie sort of feel cohesive yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy though now that like it's only been day one since the movie's been been out in theaters and already people on Twitter reacting and saying things like they don't understand why it's getting such a low rating and, and, and things like that. So it is refreshing to at least see that, you know, the audience that's now going to see this, who this movie was intended for, not just for critics, obviously, but now an actual audience is going to see it. So we're going to get a little bit more because we always know that, that there's that differentiation in that, that score where it's like critics versus the audience, right? My only concern now is that what fans will tend to do is they'll see a lower score and say, well, this is unacceptable. And then they'll review bomb with tens, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, just to try and get these average scores up right and so i think that's what we're going to see over the over the weekend is these defensive marvel fans going no this is a great movie and therefore it's a 10 even if they don't believe it's a 10 i i, I don't know kevin i mean in my experience the loudest voice on the internet are the are the ones that are upset yes uh, yeah. not so much not so much defensive or, or that sort of thing. Like, yeah. I, I don't see that happening. I do think that there are certain areas of the internet, uh, unfortunately, still within every fandom, um, where they're going to review things negatively for reasons that um, are just not uh, ethically correct. Um, but I, I do see a lot of the complaints, and I understand a lot of the, the, the divisiveness of this movie, mm. which, is, which is awesome for me. Because, again, like, oftentimes when we get into these sort of fandom conversations like you're talking about, we, we, we kind of, everyone choose a side, and then it's a, it's a big battle. But no, 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 I, I fully agree with a lot of the criticisms of the movie. I just don't, for me personally, find that those criticisms impacted my experience, how much yeah. I enjoyed it yeah, and my experience. Exactly. 
that's exactly. yeah. um, enough for me to give it a lower score. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, I totally and, agree. And I'll never let somebody else's opinion on a movie change my opinion. Any of the, the comments, the negative detractions of the movie that center around anything about the ethnicity of the cast or the wokeness of the decisions made, I toss that BS to the side and ignore yeah. it wholeheartedly because that's one of the strongest elements of the film. And it mm-hmm. is one of the things that needs to be celebrated. Yeah, And I sure. do think that that, that, that comes... Uh, holistically from from Chloe Zhao and from the decisions that Marvel is making going forward uh, with their films. And I do think that the the biggest thing that I'm I'm just worried about, and I've heard other critics say this as well, is I just, I hope that we don't lose more, um, less conventional creators coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Keep doing it. You know what I mean? Like, even if this was a a, a risk for them from a standpoint of, like, now they see, like, it's not getting reviewed as well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Bringing in more of these incredible creators because that's really what's going to freshen up the MCU after 23 movies or 25. Yeah. How many movies are we at? Yeah, we're at, we're, at, we're at anywhere between 25 or 26. But I, I think that you're absolutely right, Nate. Like, this shouldn't turn Marvel off of, of wanting to incorporate new filmmakers and their approaches. Like, the fact that they are able to, 25, 26 movies in, come out with this movie that's just so bold, so different, so outside. I think they knew that this was going to happen, that it was going to be very divisive. Now, yeah. you know, the review bombs, I think they might have also anticipated that, but it, it really does come down to... To what are the larger groups of the fan fandom saying about this movie that they can kind of learn from? Because again, I don't think Shang-Chi was a full win, but I think it was more conventional in terms of an MCU movie, which is why it did succeed for a lot of fans and for the audiences as a whole. But it's not all doom and gloom. You know, again, Nate and I really enjoyed it. Kev, not so hot on it, but we'll, we'll, we'll wrap things up as we get to our ratings and reviews. Uh, but before we do, I thought I would ask you guys, uh, was there any standout moments? Nathaniel, let's start with you. Well, I'll, I'll kind of go first because mine, like... Uh based off of the structure of the movie, uh, my favorite moment was right at the beginning, honestly. I think uh, I agree with Kevin that we could have gotten more of the sort of jumping through history, but um, seeing the Eternals at the top of their game, you know, running throughout history and and getting to see the different eras that they cut to, I thought was really awesome. I thought the fight choreography was so well done when they were teaming up against, you know, the Deviants and just decimating them. And I think watching the movie back... It's cool because it, it actually really highlights that, yes, while the Deviants are getting stronger, you know, in the current day section of the movie, you just really see how much harder it is for them as, you know, when they're apart as opposed to when they're a team, how easy it is. And I just, I really liked how they they showed that instead of sort of telling us that. Like, sure. Like, oh, if only we had our other friends here, what you know, we could do this so much. It was just visual and phenomenal and I thought the choreography was so cool how you know you see Gilgamesh like throwing Thena around (laughs) as she like brings these weapons out of thin air and just like I don't know man I just thought it was super creative and really well done Um, so it has to be my favorite moment uh, throughout the movie Awesome. Well, uh, kind of jumping off of that, if that's okay, Kev, I'll, I'm just going to jump in here and say that uh, one of my favorite moments was actually towards the end, tag team beat up session on Icarus. Um, oh my gosh. Specifically, Makari. I think she had some of the best fight sequences showcased in this movie. I said it in the spoiler free. Marvel did flash superhero powers better than DC <laughs> better has than done. Um, yeah. and, and I just think that, you know, 
she was she was absolutely fantastic. Um, and then also just a honorable mention moment. Anything with Karun Harish oh, Patel yeah. was absolutely fantastic as um, uh, Kingo's uh, valet or driver. I, I and I don't mean just the comedic stuff. The comedic stuff was funny, you know, his his line delivery, but it was the sentimental, heartfelt stuff where he, as a human, understood the importance of the Eternals. Yeah. Like when they, when Kingo decides that he doesn't want to stick around, because Karun, he sits there, and and in Hindi, I think it was Hindi. Uh, you know, he says, thank you for all that you've done. You know, he feels blessed to have been in their presence. And I, I just thought yeah. that, you know, while he added such humor, he also added such heart and just uh, for for the rest of the Eternals was such a reminder as to what this was all for. So yeah, I really totally. love that. Yeah, yeah no, he, awesome. you're right. Because not only does he bring the most comedic elements, but yeah, that heart and that, like I said for our spoiler-free review, my favorite element were the human characters. Uh, again, Kit Harrington. I love how he's not surprised by what's going on around him as he's discovering his girlfriend has superpowers because <laughs> right. he's a human that now lives in a world where there's been a snap. Sure. They know yeah. Doctor Strange <laughs> and everything, and so he's not like going, "What's going on?" He's like, "Oh, okay. Tell me more about what your special abilities are and everything." Right. And so yeah. I love that we're at that stage in the MCU where people are just like. It is what it is now. That's such a cool idea. It is kind of awesome because, I mean, that's going to really play into, you know, the idea of the X-Men. And I think, you know, humanity getting to see how the humans in the MCU are changing. Um, I love that call out. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, well, with that, let's move into my last question before we get to our final thoughts. And it's a bit of a fun question, but I thought I'd ask you guys, um, which of these 10 Eternals is your favorite? Or uh, on the flip side, which are you most like uh, in, in any facet? Uh, Kev, let's start with you. I think my favorite Eternal has to be Gilgamesh. Um, yes. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to pick any out for their, their abilities. It's one of the things that still kind of bugs me. It's like, well, one can shoot little balls from his hands and one has a, is really strong and stuff. But I just love Gilgamesh. Well, well, when they separate, everyone sort of assumes their roles in the world, and Gilgamesh takes on this role of being a protector of somebody he loves and cares for. Mm. And he's, he's willing to isolate himself from everybody and everything just so he can take care of Thena. And in the process becomes you know betty homemaker and he's become a pretty darn yeah. good cook and you know he likes to bake and everything and i just thought his stories really i thought was really lovely the way he was just his sole purpose was to protect somebody he loved uh and he's pretty cool he's pretty badass and he's a fun character in that regard Dude, awesome kevin i i could not agree more with you on the whole gilgamesh thing i did i did choose gilgamesh as like my favorite character i don't know if i necessarily could say that i uh, M him or connect with him wholeheartedly because <laughs> I don't know if I would be willing to put in the kind of work that Gilgamesh uh, put in. Um, just, you know, I know we're, we're past favorite moments. Just really quick, Gilgamesh, that hit for me. That moment <laughs> when she puts the bib on him and it says Gilgamesh, I was like, that's such a good visual gag. Um, you know what? If we're going off of, of characters that I think um, I am most like, I got to say, I really did connect with Sprite. Uh, her struggle to sort of be seen as someone who who you know she's a kid and she's but she's not a kid at all you know she's just as old as all of them and so it is such kind of a when you think about it it's kind of a, a an odd decision or cruel decision of uh of Arashum to have made her like this because it I don't I don't quite understand necessarily that reasoning I, I'm hoping that 
Um, maybe we get a little bit more of her in the future uh, and we can kind of understand that a little bit further. Um, but I kind of connect with her from the sense of like, you know, I'm a big kid. Um, I'm, I, I've literally just moved into my new place and I'm surrounded by all of the things that I'm realizing I probably don't need to own but still love to own. Um, and so from a level of a standpoint of like wanting to be seen as someone who is a professional, who is an adult and who is mature while at the same time still being a bit of a, a big kid, I kind of connect with her on that, that standpoint. Um, there have been a lot of times, you know, in my life where I've, you know, brought a, a Nintendo Switch to work and somebody sees that and they say, okay, that's, he's, he's just a child. He's immature. He's not professional in any way. And it's just, that's, to me, that is ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous that somebody would see things like that. But I get the idea that there are, you know, a lot of people that believe that video games are only for kids. Uh, and, and that's their standpoint. And, and that's okay. But I, I, that's, that's one of the ways that I sort of found myself connecting with, uh, with the character of Sprite. Interesting, interesting. But I, I think that's a good call out. I think that her story too in 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 this film is grounded in something that a lot of people can 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 connect with, but just the idea of not being seen for who they are and what they want to be, um, yeah. and and just that that sort it's of lovely. having that empathy for that. So. Um, yeah, so I would probably say, I already called her out, Makari is probably my favorite Eternal. Um, I loved how connective she was, uh, and, and given the fact that she was the most connective, and she was also deaf, which I just thought was so beautiful to kind of showcase as a strength in the character. And uh, I really loved that, you know, something that I connect to, that her character seemed to be a collector, and a collector of like old artifacts. But and we don't really find out why. Like I, they never really discuss that. But I, I'd like to think that you know, very much like myself, she's a collector and she's collecting all these artifacts and she's keeping them in the domo, which you know, kind of like a messy museum. That's not really my style. But I don't know. There was just uh, there was this sense that she appreciated these artifacts, which is why she was keeping them for herself. So I, I can appreciate that. But I totally get that from the standpoint of like you know, the the collection of objects and how we see them as almost, uh, they encapsulate memories for us. You yeah. know what I mean? A lot yeah, of the of times we, we pick something up and we, we feel how it's made and yeah. we, we even just looking at it sometimes will bring us back to that place. So for her, I can totally see how that museum, that that messy museum yeah. uh, is very much her. And I loved, I loved seeing like Thena standing next to the statue of Athena and and just like just all the little details they threw in there I'm pretty sure the the uh the holy grail is there at some point um and and just a ton of stuff in the background I really can't wait for the movie to be uh for for you know the new rock stars breakdown of everything in that room because uh I, I I loved how she really collected history like that that was awesome yeah it, and I don't think enough can be said about what a terrific performance Lauren Ridloff gives. I mean, oh, it, there's a reason we haven't ever seen a, 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 a deaf mute character in a movie like this because it relies so much on the personality and especially in the MCU, the, the things that these characters say. And yet she conveys so much emotion and and it's done so well it just feels natural like we're we're used to seeing a character like this and unfortunately we never have but like it's such a testament to the filmmakers and to her performance that it just it was instantly just something that we were engaged with and right on board and i just thought that was such such a, a cool nuanced element to to the character 
And I think that could be said about all of the characters to a a certain degree, right? Is that each of them brought something that was really special and really unique. So while it's hard to pick one, I think that each of them did an outstanding job and, you know, each of them had their own right of, of, of defining their characters and, and really giving some emotion and, and human compassion to, to each of them to, to really feel like they are sort of embracing humanity as, as an entity of existence. Um, but with that, let's move into our final thoughts because we still got more to talk about after that. So guys, I would love to know what your final review, your final thoughts of this movie are. Uh, and we're going to be rating it out of five celestial beings. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Nate, why don't you go ahead? This movie is different and it's going to be a little too different for a lot of people, I think. But honestly, and, and. Try to hold back your laughter here because you're going to laugh. But it reminds me a lot of Ryan Johnson bringing what he brought to Star Wars with The Last Jedi. And, and you know, the fandom became extremely divided over it. But he he brought elements to the movie or to that universe that were fresh, that moved away from, I think, the conventional Star Wars. And it, it made a lot of people upset. Uh, I said in our initial reaction that Marvel needs to do things differently before we can get fresh stories. And in my opinion, I think Chloe Zhao nailed it. I I, I can see where people are going to struggle with the pace and the scope that the movie is reaching for. Um, I can also see how, you know, the deviants could bother some people and how that main deviant can bother some people sort of just not really being as fleshed out as some of the other incredible villains that we've gotten in our, our MCU movies. But I think the way that they were able to draw the parallels between the Eternals and the Deviants and that the real villain really was Erisham uh, and the Celestials. I just thought that was really, really good. I thought it was it was a smart way to keep the audience on their toes and to keep us guessing. And I think the only thing that I could maybe really look at as a complaint that I would have regarding the Deviants, the only thing that, that would bother me is the aspect of that main Deviant, um, that they tried to imbue some sort of character into and I get that you have to do that to be able to draw that parallel closer to the Eternals to to make him more human but I just felt like we're already at 10 people you know and and I was surprised that I was able to to fall in love with all of them to to try and introduce a a character like that on top of everything that's going on I think they might have just been able to scale it back a little bit and just stick to the the deviants or just these mindless creatures uh, and then really focus in on the real villain, Erisham. Um, but I, I, I do think that the movie doesn't deserve to be as rated as, as low as it is. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. Your, to our, what we were talking about earlier, it's better than Thor The Dark World. It's better than than Hulk, I think, personally. Um, I think it does a really good job giving, mm-hmm. giving us an ensemble team of characters in one movie that I actually care about. Uh, this is much higher up there for me on my MCU list. Uh, and I think it's going to expand the MCU maybe a little bit too much for some people, but I am all for it. Let's get weird. Let's get different. Let's go. Let's take the you know these these big chances on these crazy stories that we know are in the Marvel comics universe. Um, and and let's just go for it. I'm going to give this movie a solid four point five celestial beings out of five. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. To be anticipated. Kev. Love to hear um, uh, yeah, as I mentioned at the top here, um, I think I enjoyed it more the second time, and I think this really is a movie that benefits from a second viewing because I think 
there's just so much going on between trying to get to know 10 characters and trying to understand this massive story. Um, Darcy, a resident uh, Marvel uh, aficionado, said he thinks the issue with it is that it's the most like a comic book that any MCU movie has been. Uh, mm. You know, normally they, they take comics and make them into movies, whereas this was literally trying to make a movie out of a comic book. Um, and that kind of storytelling, unless you're a fan of comic books, can be a little bit overwhelming. Uh, you know, and, and so I just think there was so much going on here that it's really hard to absorb. And I, and I found myself engaging more with the action when I wasn't sitting there trying to process why the action was taking place. Going okay. through it a second time, knowing what the motivations for the characters were, helped to sort of appreciate what they were there for doing in the movie. And so I don't think a movie should need two viewings for it to be appreciated, but I think this one really will. I think people watching it a second time, understanding everything, will like it a bit more. That said, my score's not going to go up that high. I still think there are issues with connecting with the characters. I also think, we haven't met really mentioned this, I don't think the special effects are all that good in this movie. I think it's a beautiful looking movie, but the special effects are like bad at some points. It's comical, in my opinion. I don't think they'll age as well as some Marvel movies. And so, and, and I just still can't see after two viewings how these types of characters can fit with the characters we're already familiar with. It just feels like there'll be a clash. I'm curious, at least. It's got me curious. And so that's at least one thing. Uh, but I'm going to keep my score right around the mark that I had it at last time. A 3.1 out of 5 celestial beings. Well, yeah, I, I think that, you know, we made reference at the top here about the Rotten Tomato scores and how it's just being bombed and it's 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 rotten by the standards. And, and, and I read an article and the headline read, you know, the Rotten Tomato score doesn't mean that this is a bad movie. It just means that it's a different movie. Uh, Eternals is unlike any of the other MCU movies to date, which we've said countless times, the film breaks all typical molds and at the same time removes itself from the existing canon of the MCU, apart from some some casual references. I feel like the film delivers on a very captivating story about beings and their connection to, you know, what it means to be human. Each of the characters, like I said in the in the spoiler free, are given their time to shine. And and while it might not all be equal amounts, I am excited for the future of the MCU and seeing these characters pop up. Yes, we may get an Eternals too, but I think that seeing these characters show up in more of a cameo appearance style, uh, I think that's the capacity in which these characters can show more and maybe we learn more about their influence throughout history. So it wasn't about showcasing it all in this one movie. It's maybe about spreading it or showcasing it later in other movies uh, with with other things. But that being said, you know, each Eternal has a very distinct characteristic, a very distinct motive that feels grounded. And, and through this movie, we understand through them what it means to be human with all the imperfections and all the emotions. And, you know, the story, while it's, it's, much, it's very much about cosmic beings and this sort of universal scope, the simplicity of the theme of humanity is is so well rooted throughout, and that really does stem from Chloe Zhao and uh, you know just her her ability to inject humanity into this. Uh, she did an outstanding job, I think, balancing a story with with action. I will say though, obviously, yes, after a second viewing, I do see some of the. Uh, criticisms around sort of the smashing of her her style with with MCU um but I do feel like a film like this that does need to be outside of 
as we said, 25 to 26 different movies, and it, it's being bold, it's being daring. You need a director like Chloe Zhao. You need someone who's comfortable with feeling more of the outside elements of what makes this story great rather than the existing mold of what has made MCU so good. For audience members, there's an eternal for each person that they can sort of connect with. Yeah. Um, the film celebrates diversity, as we said, it celebrates humanity, as we said, and I also think it celebrates our planet and its landscapes and the tremendous beauty that we have here. Uh, for so many reasons, this movie is just layered with the nuance, empathy, uh, compassion, love, vengeance, fear, all of the human emotions that ground this movie, connecting back to that theme of humanity. And for that reason, I am going to give this movie a 4.5 out of 5 celestial beings. I, I think that this is probably one of the MCU movies that are higher on my long list of Marvel movies that I, I truly enjoy. And, you know, I think that the reason why I love this movie is because of just how different it was, which is why, you know, these these review bombs on, on this movie, it just feels aggressive. It just feels too much, right? So it hurts. Uh, one thing one thing you did mention there, Just, was was how you think they will play a role in the future MCU comic. Somebody has already come out and said an Eternals 2 isn't really necessary. And I almost don't think it is. It, the way the Eternals kind of works in the comic world is they had a small run with their own story. And then yeah. what they've done since is pop up randomly yeah. in, in people's saying, stories. Yeah. And if Beautiful. they can keep it to that, if you just see one here, one there, yeah. I think that will work far better than ever trying to bring these guys back for another okay. movie could. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And you know what? With that, let's move right into the next part of our conversation, which is around those mid-credited, end-credit scenes. Um, so let's start with our first one, the mid-credit scene. Um, it picks up in space with Thena, Durig, and Makari aboard the Domo. And the Eternals sense some that something has gone amiss. Something's wrong. And at that exact moment... They have a visitor teleporting aboard their ship, Eros, uh, a.k.a. Star Fox, uh, who's played by the singer Harry Styles, along with his sidekick, who does a very long-winded intro, Pip the Troll, played by Patton Oswalt, I believe. Patton Oswalt's yeah, in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Eros tells the team that he, too, is an Eternal, and he knows how to help them and get their friends back. So obviously the big takeaway here is that Henry Styles is now part of the MCU as Eros, Thanos' brother, which I think was leaked online shortly after the premiere, which was very unfortunate. Uh, in the comic books, Eros has some kind of cosmic power uh, like all the other Eternals. I think he can control people's emotions. Uh, it's a power set that can lean slightly problematic, especially from the comics as he was uh, sort of a womanizer. It's totally unclear how Marvel's going to adapt uh, Eros's powers in the MCU. They've tweaked other people's abilities uh, throughout, the, uh, throughout the movie, so you know it'll be interesting to see. But uh, Eros' appearance also sets into motion the beginnings of what could be an Eternal sequel. They'll need his help, obviously, if they want to find his their, uh, their friends and, and defeat someone as powerful as Arisham. Um, but can Eros be trusted? Do you guys think? What do you think? Well, I definitely think they're going to continue with the aspect of him being a bit of a, a, a ladies' man, if you will. Like, I mean, he, he definitely hits on Thena as soon as he comes as soon as he teleports there and uh and just telling her she's she's more beautiful than he thought but um i you know originally i thought it was going to be thor popping out of that uh because it kind of looked like the bifrost to me it is yeah and it's then, the same sort of teleportation yeah. but then but marvel literally then trolls us 
literally <laughs> by bringing in uh, Pip, uh, yeah, Patton Oswalt, in his second debut in the Marvel Universe. I know that technically... Modoc you know, isn't canon. Modoc is not count. canon. That I know, I know. Count. But, you know, I think the, the interesting thing is, like, I don't know, man. I, I think he's uh, he's going to be a really cool character to have. I'm stoked that Harry Styles is, is in the MCU. I could really see him and Pip, along with, like, Thena, Makari, and Druig, um, almost show up in a different kind of, like, sort of team-up. Maybe they'll connect with Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I also think that that would be a great way for you to sort of um, end Thor's arc, for him to go off with these other gods, to sort of say, like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to just maybe take it easy. I've already passed the... Uh, the the hammer down, uh, you know, which we'll see in in Love and Thunder, and then I think that would be a really cool way to sort of see him be like, I'm gonna kind of take to a higher calling, and be mature and and old now, and move on uh, to to hang out with these uh, Eternals. I mean, it, it's definitely a shame that this got spoiled. That said, it's my boy, it's Harry. I'm stoked to see what he can do. <laughs> you love I, that guy. I love Harry Styles, and I just think. It's going to be so neat to see Thanos' brother, who is such a vastly different character Correct. than his brother. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that will have MCU fans torn. Like you said, can we trust him? Can we trust him? And I think based on the comics, he, he is a genuinely good character who's really here to help the characters we know and love. And so uh, I just want to shout out about that scene. Last thing I'll say about it is when I'm talking about spa bad special effects, I'm talking about characters like Pip. That He looked Awful 80s cheesy sci fi. Kind of looked a little like PlayStation 2 cutscene. It was PlayStation 3. It was PlayStation 3. PlayStation 3. <laughs> maybe like, maybe like, like really early, early gen. I'm wondering if what we did get there obviously wasn't a final design completion. And that's fine. Because look at what they did with Thanos, right? Thanos. His appearance changes so much from the first time we see him to when he was he's a person. A he was an actual person you know? in Avengers. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so <laughs> that's that's fine. They needed yeah. to get him in there. They haven't quite tweaked all the character details, but they, if if they improve on that, he he seems like he'll be a fun character. And I bet you those two have a really fun dynamic going forward. I'm sure there's an explanation for it out there somewhere. I just don't know how you get the purple butt face looking Thanos and then you get this beautiful like god of a man in Harry Styles. I just so the I don't history, know how the they history is is that they're connect. both celestials. I'm uh, sorry, they're both okay. eternals. Eternals, but yeah. Thanos has a deviant gene, yes. which is why oh. that yields his aesthetic. He's yes. got that weird chin. Um, yeah, right. so I'm sure we'll get the explanation <laughs> yeah. That's there. the DNA for the chin. But Harry will the, make you guys... easy jokes. I got the looks in the family. You know, for sure. It's, it yeah. writes for sure. itself. But, dude, I'm just stoked to see how they're going to wield and, and bring in a, a troll. <laughs> dude, yeah. Well, he's, this, he uh, also has uh, – Pip has ties to uh, Adam Warlock as well. So who knows? Oh, we know Adam Warlock yes. is going to be showing up in Guardians 3. Uh, but, of course, there's, there's another scene that, that we're going to talk about here, which was the final, final end credit scene. Here at the end of the movie, when Arisham snatches Cersei, her boyfriend, Dane Whitman, played by Kit Harington, is about to tell her a secret. But the kidnapping gets in the way. We then cut to at the end here of Dane in a fancy room looking at a menacing sword the blade while solidly metal is also uh, imbued with a cloudy material that seems responsive to human touch just as Ooh. dane is about to touch it a disembodied voice 
stops him and asks if he's ready to do that. Now, the primary reveal here is that Dane is a potential superhero. In the comic books, Dane Whitman becomes the Avenger known as Black Knight, who wields a sword called the Ebony Blade, which can only be assumed to be the sword that's in front of him in this scene. It's a magical and mystical sword that can cut through any object, defend its users against magic, absorb souls, and do all kinds of weird stuff. Unfortunately, it <laughs> also has a curse that makes its wielder prone to bloodshed, hence the sword's ominous nature. But the big reveal here, if not the biggest part, is that voice. So with that, I actually would like to ask you guys, because I've been searching on the internet. I turned to Nate and I gave him my suspicion of who it is, because it sounded 100%, but I cannot find anyone on the internet that is saying the same thing. They're saying Nick Fury, but it's, it's Mahershal Ali. It right? is. I leaned right over to Darcy and I went, that was Blade, yo. And he went, yeah. oh, and uh, I think Chloe has since confirmed that it was. Yeah. Okay, she perfect. did an interview with Fandom, uh, and she absolutely was like, she was like shouting it, Blade, 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 like it's absolutely Blade. Cool. Um, yeah, Justin, you you totally called it, uh, and I think that's super cool. Like, I I, I just I the only thing that that worries me a, a only a little bit, but I mean, listen, they just gave me a movie where I said all ten characters I connected with is the idea of you know is the Blade movie going to be the origin story for Black Knight as well. Sure, you know what I mean? Go. Like, are they going to? Hey, to if they can do, do ten, they both can do of those two. characters. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. Of course, and and I think that the, that there's a there's a mythological lore that both of these characters share. It does make sense that a character like Blade and he would have as an association. Let's throw some Moon Knight into that equation as yes. well. Oh um, yeah, I think that there's there's a lot. Just imagine that. Just you know, Kit Harrington, <sighs> Mahershala Ali, and Oscar Isaac as like a trio. Of like, dude. you know, dude, Sign I would, I would, that would be awesome. That would be a great, great movie event to see. And then you bring Nick Cage in <laughs> at the end. Sure. Okay. If you want to get a little crazy, I guess. But, you know, it's crazy how just hearing Mahershal Ali's voice just opens up endless possibilities of, of how and, and what they could do with this. So it's really exciting. And I mean, we're not the biggest comic fan, so I'm not sure no. really that much about the Black Knight character. Sure. I'm just stoked to see my boy Dane Whitman back. He was my favorite character from Eternals, uh, even in his limited role. Now I get to see Kit Harrington wielding a big-ass sword and, and slaying Again. people, Jon Snow <laughs> style. I mean, the Game of Thrones vibes I got from this movie. I mean, we got to see Rob Stark finally confront Cersei, <laughs> right? <laughs> Like and now and now we get Jon Snow with a big sword again. Like I'm down for that. Yeah, for that. sure, but for sure. Like that that post credit excited me even more than seeing my boy Harry in the MCU. Um, yeah. I'm wow. I'm stoked to see this character. He sounds really cool, and to bring it into that world of Blade, which I'm also I can't believe they've got such a, a veteran, incredible actor in rehearsal to play that character. I just think there's so much potential in that direction. And that d still just feels far more MCU to me than the the the, the space uh, celestial sure. galaxy stuff. And so sure. we kind of you got b both worlds in this, right? You got your more grounded earthbound superhero yep. stuff as well as your bigger broader scope stuff. And so it's it's appealing yeah. to everyone perhaps. Yeah, I would agree. I think that this this has a reign of like that that cosmic galactical sort of scope. But then with this introduction here, we, we're getting into that more like I don't think it's far, far fetched to say that the Doctor Strange, that mystic, that that lore of of the dark side of, you know, the WandaVision, the Darkhold sort of mentality. Like, I think all of those factors kind of play into the Black Knight's character. Well, and I think that's just it going forward. There's there's going to be two 
major arcs, right? That'll eventually lead to one maybe endgame level trilogy of films sure. that, you know, if, if, especially for how many characters it's going to have to include. You're going to probably do this in a multi-movie thing, sure. maybe two, maybe three. But I really do believe, like, to what you're saying, we get the ground level Earth heroes in one arc, which will be your X-Men, your Captain America, Bucky, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, Thunderbolts, Young Avengers, all that stuff. And then you've got the comic side of things where you're going to have our returning Eternals, Doctor Strange, Wanda and Vision, uh, the Guardians. I think... I think Marvel is going to be very specific going forward with who they have on screen together so that the reveal of these characters teaming up might almost be a bigger pop than the reveal of a new character sure. showing yes, up. Yes, absolutely. Right? And I think yeah. that's kind of how they can sort yeah. of prolong some yeah. of these characters' um, storyline and people's excitement yeah. for the MCU. For them to say, you know, we're going to be saying things in, in future films where we're going to be like, they haven't been together since Endgame. Oh, it's so cool to see them on screen together. Like, they're definitely going to play that up, and I think it's going to be really cool to see them separate that uh, at first. Well, geez, that movie that you described with the Thunderbolts and all the Avengers and <laughs> no, Bucky one and movie. X-Men I, I... <laughs> and Fantastic Four, I, I don't even know what, that, what that's going to be, but pff, <laughs> sign me up. Uh, but that is it for our spoiler-filled review and discussion of Marvel Studios Eternals. Thank you for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. Also, we would love to know what you thought of Eternals. Did you enjoy it or was it too different for you? What theories do you have about those mid-credit and end-credit scenes for the MCU moving forward? You can let us know at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. And of course, if email is too formal for you, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of literally a ton of other episodes covering a variety of other content, including our interview with Eternals actor Leah McHugh, who plays Sprite. Nate had a chance to sit down with her and chat about her excitement around the movie finally being released and who she wants to see Sprite team up with in the MCU, which was kind and I'll of tell interesting. You, it's, 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 her team up choice is just as exciting as the trio of, of characters <laughs> yes. that you described, Justin. I think it would be super awesome. So I'm not going to spoil cool. it here. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it here. Go, to, go listen on the interview. Yeah, go but listen yeah, to dude, it. That would be awesome. Uh, also, we have our quickfire review for Red Notice, Army of Thieves, and Last Night in Soho for you to listen to, as well as our recap episode for Fan Expo. Plus, we had a special guest a couple weeks back. Uh, we featured the showrunner of what I think is probably one of our favorite shows, uh, Only Murders in the Building. John Hoffman joined us, uh, and we learned more about the success around this fresh take on the murder mystery um, so yeah, if all of that's old for you, well, we got new content coming out anyway, so make sure you subscribe. But that is it. Kev, Nate, thanks so much for joining me for today's spoiler-filled discussion of Eternals. Until next time, as we say, love ya. Get home safe, guys. Peace. Peace.